All right, well, I hope everyone had a nice Christmas day, celebrating our Savior, doing whatever your family traditions are. Okay, so last week we um, did an intro to Ecclesiastes by talking about Solomon, since he is the uh, author of the book we're going to be studying. Um, So we talked about his parents, what his upbringing may have looked like, his reign, his kingdom, the good and the bad. The conclusion I come to in studying Solomon's life um, is he was a sinner like me. Um, He was better in some ways, worse in others, but still a sinner in need of grace, just like me. Um, One significant difference with Solomon and myself, at least, is that God granted him great wisdom perhaps more than any person since. And when we, dis- when we studied his life, when we talked about his life last week, we discovered that wisdom is of some benefit, but ultimately a sinner is going to sin. And that was certainly true of Solomon, as it is true with me. Um, I want you to keep in mind as we're studying this, and you're going to hear it uh, a few times today, and, and as we read through it, you'll continue to hear um, Solomon is is primarily concerned with and almost exclusively focused on life under the sun or under heaven. He mostly uses the the phrase under the sun. Um, And so we will see those phrases over and over and over. That is Solomon's primary focus is is what goes on under the the sun. with that, let's go ahead and read. We're going to read uh, the, the whole chapter, the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. We didn't touch it at all last week. So anyway, we will uh, start in verse 1 of uh, chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south and turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one might say, see this, it is new? Already it has existed for ages, which which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the later things which will occur. There will be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind." What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to, me, to myself, Behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all 
who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realize that this, is, this also is striving after wind, because in much wisdom there is much grief, and in, and in increasing knowledge, uh, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you again for this uh, season that we are in, and um, just the reminder of that you um, have brought purpose to this life under the sun. Um, and Father, I just pray that as we study the words of Solomon this morning, uh, words that if we were just to read them on our own could be a little disheartening or um, depressing, perhaps. Um, help us to have your perspective. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be the one to guide us, to give us wisdom and direction and understanding your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Solomon starts out, he identifies who he is, sort of, calls himself the preacher. He's the son of David, he's king in Jerusalem, um, and then he just gets right into vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Um, if you look, you'll probably have a footnote that says futility um, could be in place of vanity. Um, all is vanity. What, what advantage does man have in all his work which he does under the sun? Um, and so he just jumps right into it. If you want to know what the purpose of Solomon writing this book was, it's right here, okay? He's, he's telling us that, that it's all pointless, um, everything under the sun. So what do, what do you think that means? What does it mean that everything done under the sun is futile? Okay, all of man's efforts. Is everything we do on this earth futile and vain? Okay, without the Lord? Did somebody else? Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, Solomon, I think, is specifically talking here about work, and, and he'll talk a lot about work and what we do and what we accomplish on this earth. Um, so Solomon specifically asks, what advantage do we have in the work we do on earth? Right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. What? Well, yeah, Johnny Applesade. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think Solomon's looking at this earth and he's like, okay, plant some trees. Yeah, a couple of generations get to enjoy them. Pretty soon those trees are going to die and we're going to need more trees. And he's just seeing this cyclical nature um, to the world we live in. And he's just like, really? It all just continues to go in this big circle and it's just frustrating, you know? And he's, he's, he's a little frustrated with the way things work under the sun, yeah. Yeah. And, 
Okay. Say that again. Sorry, say that part again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Lord has made the heavens and the earth. Right. And as we learn and discover, nothing's new under the sun. Right. We discover what has already been in the sun. Right. Right. So uh, in the 80s is a good example of something that uh, a warbler from bird nests in a mountain cedar, which is not native of Texas. Right. So we have to save the mountain cedar from the city cut down. We're going to fix the problem. Right. So we can't cut down the mountain cedar. And now we're having all have the trouble. And, uh, yeah. Right, right. We cannot reach perfection on this earth. Yeah, my thing is really simple. I, I think this is humanity that I've got. Right. This guy is way out of fellowship. Right. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, do, do we agree that the things that happen on this world, on this earth, continue in this cycle? And, you know, it's like, yeah, there's truth in what he's saying. It's not like he's, you know... Exactly, exactly. Well, let's keep going through here. We're going to spend more time at the end kind of um, hitting all these points. But um, So uh, Solomon speaks of the cyclical nature of things on earth. Um, I'm going to read the next few verses, starting in verse 4. So as we read through, look for earthly versus spiritual or eternal kind of words. Uh, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again. Blowing toward the south and turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular course, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. Is he focused on physical or spiritual things? It's pretty much all physical. Right? He's, he's, he's watching, he's studying, he's seeing the, the world around him. He's this physical scientist, so to speak, and he's just like, everything just continues going the way. Um, there, there's just this monotony to the way things go. Um, I mean, do we ever feel like one day is a lot like another? You know, just like, didn't I do this pretty much the same thing yesterday as I'm doing today? Um, and our work... And the things we do, we can sometimes feel that, right? Um, I'm going to read in verse 8. Uh, All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eyes are not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one may, might say, see this, it is new. Already it, is, it has existed for ages, which were before us. There's no remembrance of earlier things and also of the later things which will, 
which will occur. There will be for, uh, for them no remembrance among, all, among those who will come later still. So when he says that the ear never hears enough and the eye never sees enough, can we agree with that? Yeah. I mean, we, we're always looking for more. We're always looking for something more. We're always, whether it's listening, hearing, all of our senses. Um, you ever stop to wonder what's the point of it all? Why am I never content? Why am I always kind of looking for the next thing? I don't know about the rest of you, but I, you know, I, I'm discovering that Christmas, as far as giving gifts and stuff, the younger the kids are, the better it is, right? Um, because, and it's interesting because, it, you know, even as an adult, as someone in his 50s, you know, there's still this feeling of, I know, I know what Christmas used to be like when it was exciting to get things, and, you know, now it's like, that, that part of it's not there. It's exciting to give things, thankfully. Um, but I, I've told this story before, we've got to tell it again. I, I, several years back, when Lily was probably four, so Joel was too young to ask the question, but then, you know, Ollie's seven, Andrew and Sam are 10, Emmy's 16, something like that. I asked all my kids, what, if you found it under the tree this year, would make you say this was the greatest Christmas ever? And it was interesting that the answers I got based on the age. I, I don't remember what Emmy said, something like a Lamborghini or something like that. <laughs> one of the boys, one of the twins said, um, you know, a Ferrari or something like that. The other one said a million dollars, you know. Oliver said a Nerf gun. <laughs> All right. Lillian said a big box of bubble wrap. The, so, so Emmy got a matchbox car. Whoever the other one that wanted a Ferrari got a matchbox car. The other one got one of those chocolate bars that says a million dollars on it. Ollie got a Nerf gun, and Joel and Lily got a big box of bubble wrap. And I can tell you that the bubble wrap and the Nerf guns were the most fun. The, the bubble wrap was by far the most fun gift to give, right? Because you know this little person is just excited about a big box of bubble wrap. Wow. What would it be like to be content with a big box of bubble wrap, you know? What's that? Yeah, pop, pop, pop. And for a while, yeah, that's okay, because, because just the contentment of being okay with that was such a blessing. So we have a hard time being content. I have a hard time being content with the things I have. And, and Solomon is saying it's futility. The things we, you know, whether I'm planting apple seeds or whatever it is, things don't last on this earth. Things don't last, and contentment doesn't last uh, very often for us. Is it hard to believe in our technological age that there's nothing new under the sun? When you think about Solomon, roughly 3,000 years ago, whatever it was, saying there's nothing new under the sun, um, would you tend to agree with him or disagree with him? There's a lot of new things that have come around, right? I always interpreted this in back in the day as meaning that God had seen it all already. Right. Nothing new that'll impress God or that'll come by surprise to God. Right. At least that was my interpretation. Okay. 
That is certainly true. There's nothing new to God, for sure. Go ahead. Right. That we've always done. We keep slaves reproducing down the list. And then right. it's a limiting one. Now it's basically up to you and build and make and sell. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I think one of the things that I would say is motivations are basically the same. You know, the things that, that cause us to do the things that we do haven't really changed. Um, the, they're still the same. Um, uh, desires and drives and things like that that cause us to do the things that we do. Like you say, we may use greater technology um, and we may use different resources and things like this to accomplish what we accomplish, but our motivations are pretty much the same thing, right? Um, later on in the book, he's going to talk about everything that, that is done is the result of envy um, between two people. You know, or, uh, you know, certainly with men with testosterone, there's the, I'm going to one-up you, you know. There's plenty of that around. Um, so any, any other thoughts on that? In verse 11, he says, there's, uh, there's no remembrance of earlier things, and there will be no remembrance of the later things by those who come later. What does he mean by that? What do you think? Okay. Yep. Right. There is such an arrogance of in humanity, isn't there, that we know that that history is cyclical. We know that. Things kind of continue. We, we think we have these great new ideas, and it's just a variety. It's just a, a, a twist on something somebody's already done, right? There really is nothing new under the sun when it comes right down to it. We have different ways of, of, of doing it, but ultimately, but we like to think we do because of that arrogance. You're absolutely right. Um, I've said this before, but... What it really comes down to is we are very forgetful people. We're very forgetful people. I don't remember who it was that said those who don't study the past are, are destined to repeat it. Um, who was that? Yeah, I won't remember that. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm terrible at history. <laughs> What's that? Played for the Reds. <laughs> um, we're forgetful people. We really are. Um, let's, um, let's go on, uh, verses 12 through 15. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under, this, under the heaven, under heaven. It is a grievous task which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. So what Solomon describes, the vanity, futility, pointlessness of all things done under the sun, 
is what we should be awakening people to to show them their need for the gospel. Because without Christ, all that he is saying is absolutely true, right? Our world, our enemy is doing all that he can do to keep people distracted, to keep them from recognizing the fact that their existence is empty, that there is no point, that it is all vanity. Would you agree with that? Um, If there is a purpose to life apart from Christ, then what use is there for the gospel? Why should I give my life to, to Jesus if I can find fulfillment and purpose apart from him? Right? Why are there so many stories of men, especially, who have clawed and fought and amassed this amazing amount of wealth, get to the top of the heap, and then commit suicide? Exactly. Can't be bought. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And at some point, we, we have to deal with it. We have to accept it. We don't like it. You know, there's the, our world doesn't like it. Even as believers, oftentimes, we don't like that. Even as believers, we want to believe, we want to think that, you know, I can do something. It's not like I have to have Jesus for everything. I mean, you know, I can do some things. But anything of value, anything of worth is only in him. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I've said before I think that if you boil this life down to it's most basic, it comes down to one choice. Am I accepting Christ or am I not? And we can talk about, you know, how I live after I've made that decision or not, whether I live carnally, uh, you know, all those different kind of things. But did I acknowledge my sin and say, I need a Savior, Jesus save me, you know, or did I not? That's the big thing. Now, after that, what I, you know, what I, what I do, how I live, obviously there's, and like your mother-in-law is saying, 
there are things I could have done that would have had a greater eternal impact, perhaps, or that would have had a greater significance. But ultimately, she made the, the, the one right choice that we all need to make in order to, you know, to really make this life count. Because if I don't do that one thing, then it really was all vanity. It was true futility, if that's the case, right? Any other thoughts on that? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, I, I mean, uh, spoiler alert if you want, we'll go to the end. I'm okay with that. Um, well, right, right. But chapter 12, verse 13. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. This world is full of vain things. We are all surrounded constantly by vain, worthless things. And we are distracted by vain, worthless things, you know? Um, <clears throat> I haven't been watching as much. There's glare on that clock back there, so I'm figuring out I've got to take my watch off to kind of keep track of time. Um, I don't, haven't watched as much this year because I, the whole woke thing just drives me crazy, but I, I really enjoy watching football. And it is a very vain thing. You know, there's nothing, there's very little eternal about that. I, I say very little because there are believers who are playing the sport who are bringing glory to God. But very little of that do you see. There may be a whole lot of it going on behind the scenes that we don't see. I, I trust, and, and, and some of the stories you hear sometimes would indicate that there are, that that is happening behind the scenes. But, um, you know, there, there are vain things happening all around us, and they're pulling us in oftentimes. Um, and, and one of those things is, you know, we, even as believers, we, we get sucked into, um, in fact, when 
Timothy, when Paul's talking about, uh, you know, what an elder or a deacon should be, you know, not someone who's addicted to the love of money, not someone who is, you know, addicted to that, that kind of thing. But are we striving for success under the sun? Worldly success, and that's what you're talking about is, is the, you know, this isn't my home, you know? Um, I've, I've, I've got to live here. I've got to be here. I've got to function here. But, and, and I've got to, you know, I, I can't take my mind so much off of the world that I'm not paying attention to what's going on and the people around. Um, we, um, yesterday, since we've moved to Comfort, um, one of the things we've noticed is that you'll, as we're driving, you know, I've, I'm often driving Bernie early in the morning, and there's the two picnic areas on the side of the road. Well, you'll see tons of semi-trucks parked there oftentimes. And um, so just something that we thought about last year and probably the Lord was laying on our heart last year and we didn't do, so this year we did it, um, was, you know, and especially after COVID and stuff, with, with as few people are driving now and how mess, what a mess we're, our um, system is in because of that, we were like, could we just show appreciation to the guys and ladies, the more, a lot more ladies than you think about driving those big trucks? And so we, we made, Heather made kolaches and we made some coffee and just went and, you know, went over, we went over to Love's because that's where tons of people, tons of trucks park and just go up and, you know, people were like looking at us like, this is really weird. You know, who are you and what are you? I learned you had to say, we've got free kolaches and coffee because I think otherwise, I think, well, how much do you want for that? You know, whatever. Um, but just doing the little things, am I doing the little things that the Lord is showing me to do? It's a silly little thing. It doesn't take a lot of time, a lot of effort, but, you know, and we put on the, Heather got some paper bags and put a couple kolaches in there and just, you know, Merry Christmas and Jesus is, don't forget that Jesus is the reason for the season and thank you for all you do, you know. Okay, that, that's, that's all we're doing, you know. Um, but it's just easy to get wrapped up in what I'm doing to further my existence under the sun, to make my existence under the sun more comfortable and things like that. Um, l- let me finish up here because otherwise we've just got a couple, three verses to go to finish the, the chapter. Um, he says, I said to myself, behold, I have magnified and increased wisdom more than all who were, be- who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind has observed a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And my se- I set my mind to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I realized that this also is striving after wind because in much wisdom there is much grief and increasing knowledge results in increased pain. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not sure. I, I, I see the point. I know that's true. Um, I know there's some truth in it, but I'm not sure that I agree completely. Um, kind of depends on how you look at it. I, I really want to ask Jim, after all these years of schooling and stuff, is, you know, do you feel you've reached that pinnacle you were hoping for and everything's great now? Yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, Israel. Yeah, 
Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the more I know about, the more, wow, there's all these things I could want that I didn't know I should want or that I, you know, whatever. And our world is really good at helping us be dissatisfied. Really good at that. Right. And so it makes sense. The more you know, the more meaningless the world feels, the cyclical nature that he's kind of building up in the first chapter. Yeah. It all would conclude into emptiness and into nothingness. You know, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to die. I'm going right. to eventually get old. Everything I work for and strive for will just eventually go away with the wind. Right. And so it kind of makes sense. The more you learn about things, the more you realize how much you don't have, how much what you do have is meaningless. And again, I think it all pushes yeah, 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 I think so too. Um, here's an interesting question I want to ask. Do you think Solomon regretted his decision to ask God for wisdom? Don't think so. Probably not. Are there any things you wish you didn't know? Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. If, if God were to ask you the same question, what do you think you might answer? Karen? Right. Right. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't seeking after fame and fortune and all that. He was he it was a good it was from a good place for sure. Huh? Yeah, at the beginning. Right. It's a difficult book to deal with because it's so nihilistic. It really is. It's something that really stares in the face of hopelessness and despair and just says it for what it is. But what's so beneficial about it, I think, is that it points to what Christ does, which is it brings us beyond the scope of just that meaningless existence in life. Um, you know, it's not, it's not just that we can just experience more. It's so that we can go beyond experience and actually Right. Yeah, I, I may take issue with you on, on the afterlife thing. It, it seems like, and I, I'll have to read through it again to, to remember, but it seems like he talks about at least Sheol, that there, you know, some sort of, some sort of something after. Uh, right. 
But even so, again, if you go back to that verse in chapter 12, fear God, you know, and there's, so there is some, yeah, what his motivation is for that is not totally clear. Porter? Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think I think Solomon, when he was um, when he was asking, was asking from very much from a place of humility, um, as Karen was saying. You know, it, it wasn't from a place of arrogance, and I really want to become the wisest man in the world. It was, you know, just I, I don't I don't know how to lead these people. You know, I need wisdom to to know how to do that, which which was a good thing. Um, up to a point, but obviously, again, he's the wisest man in the world, and he's a sinner, you know. Amy? Yes. Right. Well, again, going back to the whole thing with Lillianne's asking for a box of bubble wrap, you know, our hindsight, we could say what, what Solomon should have asked for, what I wish I would, you know, what I would hope I would ask for is to remain simple, you know, um, because that's, again, as, as his wisdom and knowledge increased, and that's what I, <laughs> if you think about what happened in the garden, you know, Satan says um, it's the knowledge of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, don't you want to know good and evil? Think about that one for a second. Do you want to know good and evil? All you've known so far is good. So would you like to know some evil? And you'll be like God, which is probably the thing that really went, oh, hey, that, you know, that'd be great. But, you know, you go back and you look at that question and you go, wait, I'd really like to be able to go back and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the good, you know. You can keep the evil. Um, but, you know, that, that's, it's the it's same thing with, with Solomon. As the wisdom increases, the knowledge of evil increases and the knowledge of the things that you could have increases, just like with my kids that, the older they got, the more they recognize, hey, there's more out there that I could have. Um, I'm not as content as I was when I was a little kid. That's why it's so much more fun to give gifts to little kids than it is big kids. But that's just the way it is. All right, I had a whole lot more that we could have gone through, but I think we had a great discussion. Um, any last thoughts before we close in prayer?
Right. Yeah, I agree. That is tragic, and I think it's just as tragic as the rest of us. Everyone who knows Jesus Christ and continues to sin in any way, it's tragic because we don't have to. We have the knowledge. We have the, the one who gives us the ability to not have to sin, and yet we do. So Solomon's life is tragic, but so is everybody's. Yes. Agreed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Can you uh, answer the question earlier in that discussion of Satan taking the throne of the universe and being the king of the heavens? Yes. Right. Right. I think there is a lot of that. I think I, I suspect that, and they don't have any. There's no hard and fast evidence, but the suggestions are it was probably at the end of his life. I you would so you would too. expect that. So Especially yeah. Especially because they're all very sorrowful. Yeah. And you would expect that he'd have a lot of sorrow looking back at his life and right. everything that he lost. And yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me pray right quick. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for this, uh, again, for the opportunity to look into this book. And thank you that we don't just have Ecclesiastes, how depressing that would be. Uh, thank you that we have the New Testament, that we have uh, Jesus and all that you've done for us. Um, we praise you for that. So thank you that we can look at these in, in juxtaposition to one another and, um, and see how you are um, good and at work in the midst of this world that is full of futility apart from you. So we just thank you, and I thank you for all the uh, who participated this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks, everybody.